to the podcast where we bring on remarkable people to tell their stories. I'm Paul Gilman. I'm Daniel Lance. And this is Podso One. Roger Lee is Podso One's number one super fan. He is the only listener we know of to have listened through every minute of our podcast, an undertaking which Paul and I would hesitate to wish on anyone. We brought Roger on to tell us his story. A second-generation Korean-American, he grew up in Colonial Heights, son to a dedicated entrepreneurial mother who owned and ran Juan's wig shop in Petersburg, Virginia. In our conversation, he tells us about his mother's inspiring story, what it was like to be one of the only Korean families in his entire town growing up, adventures meeting his wife and her family, and his love of all things football. So here is Roger Lee. Yeah, so Roger Lee, welcome to Pod So One. Nice to be here. Nice to be here. So you, uh, I'm fascinated by you because you are uh, a super fan, uh, which to Paul and I means you've listened to every single episode that we've released. And I, I, I started using the term super fan, and he was not put off by it when I referred to him as a super fan. So we stuck with it. Yeah. Well, I thought it was a joke at first, and so I was being, being playful. And, 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 and polite. And polite, maybe. Very. Well, because it was at work, and so... I, I don't know if I was. It was appropriate to to snap back. But. So, ah. so <laughs> Paul is Paul might be your boss. No, not not anymore. We, right? Anymore. We both work in the same organization. I just feel like there has to have been some incentive for Roger to be like, I got to get in Paul's good books, so I'm going to listen to every single. I'm going to grind through every single episode of his podcast. Well, I, let let's be clear: is that when the first podcast came out, um, I well the. Fir- the first one that I knew about was was a guy that I used that Paul and I used to work with. I used to work with him at Capital One as well. And so when it came out, I think at first in my head was, what, what's this Capital One you're referring to? Oh, I'm sorry. Should I say the bank, the big bank? Yeah, the big bank. Oh, in the world I'm disappointed. That. Yeah. Just kidding. <laughs> no, 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 that was totally. It's a, it's a little less than super fan. That that, that was totally my <laughs> fault. I um. I tried to rehearse that, and, and it just slipped out. I think that's the first time anyone said that those two words on this podcast, but yeah, yeah. that's all right. It's all good. My bad. So I you, feel so ashamed. Can we start over? <laughs> I feel so ashamed. But anyway, um, it, it, it was a guy that we used to know, or we mutually know. Um, when I was listening, when I finally listened to him, it wasn't through Paul. Like I saw him put it, post it on, on a social media account, and then... And then kind of ignored it. And then Paul had made a comment about it. And I was like, well, let me just check it out. And I'll listen to it. So I listened to it and was super interested. It was, it was amazing to hear his story that I would have never have known if I was just talking to him by ourselves. Probably because I wouldn't have gotten that far into a conversation. You're not going to ask those kinds of questions. Absolutely right? not. Right. And, then, and then like he was the third one, right? Fourth he was the third guest, fourth episode. Fourth, fourth, yeah, right, right. And so after that, um, I listened to... Do we want to say his name? You've already said... We that. should say his sure. name, yeah. So it was Tom Greco. Um, Do you think Tom will listen to this? I don't... Well, he may. I'm going to tell him he has to because we said it, his name. We dropped his All name. All we have to do is say, Tom, we said your name. Yes. And, and he'll then he'll probably... Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I listened to Gene's episode. Um, I don't personally know Gene. I know people that know Gene and... it. My perception of what Gene, of who Gene is wasn't from the episode. Um, and so that was really interesting to hear his story and just hear everything with, with Gene. And then as I was listening to the other episodes, it became a game to hear um, 
who you guys were talking to, like if we all worked at that bank that nobody knows, um, it was a it became a game to to figure out who they were talking about. Uh, um, and normally I didn't know who they were talking about. I had ideas who it could be. I mean, Paul worked in operations. I worked in this operational support space. So did Gene. That's how I met Tom. Um, Kevin Flippin yeah. was another one. Um, and uh, Kevin, I think, Kevin claims we all worked at a bakery. I'm not sure what he's talking about. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, that, that was kind of weird. Yeah. <laughs> that was actually great. We should have kept going with that. Okay, so it sounds like there's you, you have a network, and this you're through these conversations you're able to get like a, a different or broader understanding of these people that you already knew, uh, and also kind of had a game of, of guessing who they oh, were talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. So that was the fun part. And so I think if there was ever the first feedback, I think I gave Paul was you ought to continue with these. Th- folks and then because it was just fun to, to try and guess right but that obviously wasn't going to be interesting overall except maybe to you yes to me but may, maybe if there was if there was you know something for your super fan like this is what it should be uh, yeah nice there okay. it is there so it let is. me ask you this then uh that aside you know like the fact that it was somebody that you knew or the game of guessing yep. who we were talking about uh what what is the merit of this podcast to you that Paul and I are doing. It, what's really interesting to me about this podcast is is listening or hearing the stories, hearing perspectives from different people, from different lines of life. Um, I think for the most part, the guests that you've had come on here has been so different overall. I think when I when I first started listening, one of the things that I was probably worried about, and I, I, I hope I told you this, was... I didn't want it, like, if it was going to end up being just Paul's old military buddies and then it would just became military stories, it would have gotten to the point where we had gotten bored and then just knew kind of the pattern it was going to be. Mm-hmm. And then there were stories where it was interesting, like um, your father um, that came on and then listening to everything about him and his story and his perspectives of being a judge and a lawyer and then... Um, <laughs> your friend, um, your your other friend that, that you met at, or that you realized that worked at Capital One too, where you yelled his name across the room. So, like, I'm terrible with names. So, it Craig, is Craig, Craig Grimes. Grimes. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, when it expanded to there, and Chris Young, he's probably the only one that I can remember. Him, um, the hairdresser from Atlanta, Paul, uh, Cody. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it became very interesting, and so now, now it's gotten to the point um, where. Even though that some of the recent guests in Jerry being one, listening to Ed and Andrew, um, learning more about them, but everybody's story is completely different than, than, than where it started. So the evolution from where the podcast first started, how you guys worked, how you guys developed and became, or like where you are now, is completely different. Mm-hmm. And so it's very interesting to see the growth and then just to hear, to hear the different stories mm-hmm. and, and the different impacts that people have. Yeah, well, you have a perspective like none other, I think, except maybe two, two others, one or two. What do you think, Paul? How many super fans do we have? Yeah, how many well, super Roger, fans? Roger is the super fan. Okay, unless well, ha- unless Hammer wants to share something that I don't know about, I think Hammer is has listened to all of them. I think I haven't checked in with Hammer yeah. in, a, in a while though. 
He certainly has a goal of listening to all of them. Uh, and do you think there's a third one? I don't know. Maybe there's a ghost one. I, I don't know why I thought there were well, three. But there's a, uh, we, we did receive a very nice uh, message on Facebook from a guy yeah. who get, encouraged us to keep going. If, you, if, if anyone's out there that has listened to, let's say, 80% uh, of the episodes, let us know. But, uh, you know, that being, you know, having listened to everything, Roger, means that you can kind of track the progress and the narrative of, or, or the way that the podcast has, has become shaped in the last nine months that we've been doing it now. Is it, is it that long? Eight months? Yeah. Yeah, yeah eight. We'll call it eight. Well, Which that's is, what I was trying to think of earlier, too, as I was thinking about the podcast and coming on today, like how long ago it was. And, and when it first started, it was probably about eight months ago. Yeah, it was, it was late January, I think. Yeah, that was our yeah. first one. Yeah. Where, yeah. Yeah, whereas most people kind of jump in for one episode or two, and they kind of have their guests that they know and they like. You have the whole freaking, you know, gamut, the whole perspective. Yeah. Well, I will say that um, when, <laughs> when Hammer did come on, um, I felt it was a personal shot that, that, <laughs> that, that he felt like he was a super fan. No, no it was. It, it, so, was, well, it, it was meant to mix it up. Yeah, you know, felt like your, your status was challenged or something, Absolutely. Right? And so I, I, like, I, I was glad. Oh, I was kind of disappointed that I wasn't the first super fan on. And so yeah. but, but you still have the crown. All right. You were the first one to, to consistently listen to each one as, as they were coming out. We're going yeah. to name this one the super fan. A very good one. To rest, to put all doubts to rest. Of the podcast, not necessarily of the people that host the podcast. Yes. Well, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't really like us. I think is where. Yeah. I'm okay. Going. Yeah. I wasn't. Well, I wasn't going there either. True. But <laughs> we won't put that out there for posterity. <clears throat> or we can leave it out there. Cool. No. I, well, I appreciate it. Uh, do you want to get to the Roger show? Do you want? Yeah. Of course I do. And let's just knock this out since you've heard it uh, at least thirty-seven times. Just, yes. just ask the question. Get it out of the way. Comedy or military? Um. I think I'm going to say comedy. And so I'll say it this way. And like, I think I've practiced this. Okay. Um, Let's go. <laughs> this is so retarded. Um, so I think both of them, both instances would be um, very uncomfortable. Um, why I would choose comedy is, is what I could not do in the military. So I think what you've been able to see over the last eight months um, for the first three or four months, I've been tr- I was trying to be professional at, at, at the new place yeah, yeah. And, and hold it in, in place. But I am a very sarcastic, petty um, You like person. the banter, got a dry, oh, yeah. dry sense yeah, of humor. Yes, yes. Yeah. And so <clears throat> to have somebody talk down to me and then not be able to re- rebut would be very difficult. Yeah, you'd have a tough. Nobody, very, nobody very, wants that. No, and I it, and I said the same thing when, like, in um, in high school, I interviewed uh, for West Point, and oh, the the, nice. the 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 West Point guy asked me questions, and he asked me the same thing. He asked me what would be the most difficult piece of going to West Point, and as he described, um, you know, incoming freshmen, the the upperclassmen would talk down to the incoming freshmen. Uh, make them carry their trays. Or you're, you're basically like the worst thing in the world possible. You guys do for nine months, absolutely at the very beginning, and, and then have to just take it. So being in comedy, if I was poor or did a bad job, I would expect to be heckled. But then at that point, I I, I could talk smack back. Okay, and, and so like that would that would be entertaining for me. 
So um, you wouldn't mind the heckling because it opens up the opportunity for you to just absolutely be a smack You're just talker. waiting for absolutely. someone to take the bait. Absolutely. So you can just like absolutely bounce. Okay. I mean, it is. It's probably has a lot to do with um, wanting to be six four and not be six <laughs> four. <laughs> uh, Roger, how tall of a guy are you? I am. I'm listed at five seven. And so I, we don't have to go back to back because we're sitting and we're on mics right now. But I, I'm going to guess trying to be accurate five five and three quarters. No, no, not, <laughs> not at all. Not five five. Li- three listed. What do you we, mean by list? Like he, he, on my driver's he, license, it is five six. It is five six. Really? And, no, 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 no. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Five seven. Five seven. Yeah. Five seven. Listed, and what he's not yeah. te- what he's not telling you is he's probably five six and change. Like I, I you're wearing shoes. I well, I've gotten screened before and like probably in the last five years. And in the screening, they they've said that I was shorter than five six. No. Five seven. They shorter said I was shorter than five seven, and I've directly told them that they were wrong. Okay. And, and to actually write it down. It's five seven. I love that. But, I love it, that you're you're such an honest guy because somebody asks you how tall you are, you don't say I'm five seven. You say I'm listed as five seven. It's a yes. little sleight of hand. Yeah, because yeah. he's five six and five eights or something like that. And by the way, listed, he gets to put whatever he wants down. I mean, I guess if you put six foot six, they're gonna be right. like really exactly. Yeah, exactly. But you, you can get away with five seven. Yeah. Well, I am five seven. Sure. <laughs> I mean, they're like sure. Yeah. I, I have a really okay. good friend. His wife is five five. And we had the same exact conversation. And you went and back to back? They tried to embarrass me, go back to back, and I was I was taller than her. So I am by, not by, by an inch and five eighths. So you're not you're not five <laughs> no, five. No one actually measured it, but but I'm taller than five five. I'll oh, say that one. All right, got it. I, I mean I think you're taller than five six. I am taller than five six. But you're not five seven. I am five seven. You're listed at five seven. You're listed There's, at five seven. Well, until we get a tape measure out here, no, we're, we're, five, not, we're not doing that. Because no. then that would end the the, uh, the banter. So, yeah, true. If right. we nailed exactly how tall you were, we, right. we wouldn't have any fun it with this. But, but I would never let you measure me. Right. So what's the deal? And I, and I would never grab this the measure, <laughs> the tape measure. What's the deal with uh, wanting to be six four? Um, I, I well, for somebody that's not six four, um, if there would like, one of the things that I would love to be is over six foot, and six four I think is is in my head the right height where it's not too, too tall mm. and then not too abnormal. Not Daniel, do you know what I'm listed at? Six, four, seven, four, seven, six, four, huh? Yeah. I'm six, four. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Right. See, and, I, and look, that, where, well, look where you are. I now. mean, we're, we're doing a podcast in your basement, right? Because I'm six, four. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cause you're six. Hey, Dan, just doing a podcast with, with, we're doing one together because he weighs 158 pounds. Absolutely. Huh? Yeah. And less than that, dude. Taller than five seven, <laughs> he's also taller. Than five, uh, seven. Yeah, I think I'm 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 five ten, but I'm also in your I'm listed at five ten. No, so put nice. it that way. No. <laughs> so <laughs> the funny story. There's a funny story. Um, at one of these screenings, um, before like I guess the person didn't want to actually measure my height. Um, because I think we were just rolling through people. This was at work. Mm-hmm. Um, and so <laughs> she just asked me, what, "What what's your height?" And I like I always say six four. At the DMV, anywhere, I always say six four, and so the reaction that the that the person had, you know, she just looked at me and was like, uh, "Really, six four? And I was like, oh, "I'm just kidding. I'm five seven. But she thought it was funny and wrote down six four and had no. to like, scratch it out. Yeah. So that was that was that was probably one of my highlights of my life. Most people laugh when you say six four. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Man, that 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 lady probably remembered that for the rest of the day. Like, man, that one guy got me. Yeah. Yeah. Or or. That short little guy. 
said he was six four. That asshole. Yeah. Or that's adorable. Right. Yeah. Right. That it was probably more like that. Yeah. Oh. That, that little boy. That little boy. So Roger, when I met you, one of the first questions I asked people is, "Where are you from?" Yep. And you said Colonial Heights, and I said, "Interesting Colonial that you grew Heights. up in Colonial Heights. How many Korean uh, American families lived in Colonial Heights when you were growing up?" So when I was growing up, I went. I was in. I first got to Colonial Heights when I was in kindergarten. Oh, got it. And then graduated high school there. Um, in the time that I lived in Colonial Heights, there were five Korean families, um, probably two Chinese and or Japanese families. And then there were two, three, three African-American families. And the African-American families were straight from Africa. Um, wow. So, so there's African families. They were just African. Right. They, they African were. families in America. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so... You know, Colonial Heights, Virginia, what is is nestled right in between Chesterfield County, Hopewell, and Petersburg. How um, many families would you say are there total? Just so, yeah, I mean, just what's, pop, what's the population? We oh, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. 50. We'll say at the time, like, I feel like I feel like three, four hundred thousand was was too much. Yeah, it's way too that, much. That's too much. Yeah, so so may, may, all right, we we rarely anyway. do this, but I'm going to Google the population of all right. So there it is, Colonial, Colonial Heights. I mean, it's certainly okay. different now, but back back in because um, when you say the like, early '80s, the yeah. early '80s, um, it was it it was um, Colonial Heights was what they called a bedroom community. So people lived in Colonial Heights and then worked elsewhere. Ah. Um, most of the people like worked like traveled or commuted to Richmond. My mom um, worked in Petersburg. She owned a business in Petersburg, Virginia, basically my entire life Mm. um, for 40-plus years. And so Colonial Heights has an interesting, very interesting history. um, Before you continue, in 1980, the census of 1980, the population was 16,509. Oh, wow. So I was really So you assume four per family. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's really five old. five Korean families out of sixteen thousand people. Yes. Okay. Yes. So you were not the majority. No, not at all. Not at all. And by the way, it's uh, it's basically still around the high teens. Oh, wow. Okay. So yeah, I'm way off. Wow. So not off. not a huge place. No, it's not. It's not. I think um, from Chesterfield coming into Chesterfield on Route One down to Petersburg, it's Four miles, yeah, five miles. Mm-hmm. So stoplights because yeah. Route One runs through there. Right? Yeah, yeah. Well, there's there's more than one, but yeah. So few, yeah. so how is its history interesting? Well, um, one of the nicknames for Colonial Heights, as I was growing up, um, and, and I think the irony is that everybody knew. And so, like when I first met Paul, like he said the same thing. Like, I'm like, did you ever hear what the nickname of Colonial Heights was? And he said it, and it was um, Colonial Whites. So uh, Colonial Heights was a was a predominantly white community. And when you mean when you say predominantly, you mean like ninety eight point seven percent. Absolutely, like all, all the families that weren't those five well, Korean, two Chinese. Correct. They were all, all white. white. They were all white. Um, and so I think that for the simple fact that I can name off, you know, and, and guesstimate or approximate the number of different families that were not. A white. When you say approximate, you gave us a plus or minus one family kind of. Yes. Thing. Yeah. Yes. 
Um, and I don't think it was any exaggeration. And if anybody that, that knows me or grew up with me would listen to this, they would say the exact same. Mm. Uh, or they should say the exact same. Um, but um, Colonial Heights had the nickname as being Colonial Whites. Um, there, were, there were instances in the late 70s and probably going into the eight, uh, early 80s where um, real estate companies or real estate agents, companies, whatever, um, tried to ensure that, it, that Colonial Heights stayed predominantly white. And so, so um, if a white family came in to, uh, to buy a house... They was listed at, at, at a price. Uh, if a family that was not white came in, they listed it at a higher price. Like, si- like significantly higher. Significantly higher, yes. Um, so how we ended up there, I'm not really sure. Maybe it was it, it was the thought that that it was a white community mm. um, of where we of the reason that we ended up in Colonial Heights versus um, somewhere else. So I don't. Do you, what, what, what do you think motivated those real estate companies to price out uh, minority people? Uh, it, it, it doesn't sound like there's a big evil person behind the curtain saying, like, don't let anybody in that's not white. Yeah. You know, it must have been like a market incentive or something. Yeah, I, 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 that's a good question. I mean, I, I think to your point, I don't think it was like the Illuminati that came in there and, and told everybody we're going to keep Colonial Heights predominantly white. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would say that it was probably – the culture of the culture of the time mm-hmm. um, that that it may, like as far as racism and everything else is concerned that like what we're seeing today, it it may not have been as open. Mm-hmm. Like, and I know that's an ir- ironic statement to well, say. It's actually worse when it's uh, clandestine like that. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. And so, um, you know, it, it, oh, I remember I remember uh, when I was in the eighth grade. So. 85, 85, 86, um, there was a point where we were on 2020, um, and there was a story on we, 2020. We being the city. We, right. Colonial Heights was on 2020. Which is a TV show. Which, yes. And it, <laughs> that's so terrible. That's, that's sad. This is where we remind our audience that uh, Roger's not in his 20s and Daniel Yes. Was. So it was a... It was an investigative <laughs> TV show. It's still on, it, Is it? Yeah, it's still on. All right. I... I I haven't ever D- seen it. Daniel streams everything, probably. Everything's yeah. internet based. For Boom, baby, yeah. Twitch. All right. Anyway, twenty twenty. Twenty twenty. We just made like a hundred bucks. The show. There, there was a there was a segment on twenty twenty um, where Colonial Heights was at the time in nineteen eighty five eighty six was one of the only predominantly white communities in America. And by predominantly, once again, like ninety nine percent. Correct. Correct. And so they did this big story. Um, a couple weeks later, the NAACP. Um, did march through Colonial Heights, <clears throat> and then the very next week, um, the white supremacists walked uh, marched through Colonial Heights. Oof. And so um, I remember, I remember it being a like one. It was a big deal, like because of the events that that were happening. Um, but as a kid, I remember um, wanting to go see it, um, just because of like just to see it, um, to see these like seeing everybody march. Um, one of the things I think that sticks out is that the local television shows obviously broadcasted it or reported on it. And I remember, I remember a kid that I knew since first grade um, up until um, sixth, seventh grade, um, they interviewed him. And so he was marching, carrying a rebel flag, had a with Confederate the, bandana on his head. With the, with, with the white supremacist yep. march. Okay. Yep. And so it's an 86, so... 
like 30 years later, right? I Ish. quick math, 30 ish yeah. later. I remember vividly him saying, um, like, they can live in Petersburg, they can live in Richmond, they don't need to be here. And it, like, even then, it didn't sit well with me. Um, and I, like, thankfully, for with some of my other friends, it didn't sit well. Mm. But, you know, that's the way it was. And this this kid was like in seventh grade or eighth grade. Yeah, yeah. So it had to have been well, it's, like parental absolutely, influence. Absolutely. I, I I don't think I I don't think racism, um, judgment on other people because by the base of their skin color, is is something that people learn or rather people are born with. Yeah, it, it's, it's not definitely. It's not genetic. No, right. no. Yeah. Um, and and I think it it it's pretty sad because. I think when you, when you get to the level of being an adult, you hear it, um, and all you do is like you, you hear your parents, your uncles, your aunts, your older friends talk about it, and then like that's what drives your like yeah, thought. That's you, that's what you think about. I I mean, when I was that age, I would say whatever I needed to fit in or feel like I belonged to absolutely. whatever group I was in. Yeah, absolutely. And like that's just that's just tragic that that's what that kid had to say, and that it's it was on the news. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and and it certainly. I feel as though that there were probably moments where it could have happened to me and my brother, probably. Um, and, and, and I'm grateful that it didn't. Um, and a part of that was my mother, again, like working in Petersburg, Virginia, um, being a Korean-American woman, owning a business in downtown Petersburg at the moment where there was you know three stop signs. Like if in the summers or even on the weekends, we would go down to my mom's store. And so we weren't as sheltered as maybe other people might have mm. been. Um, and so I don't know. I, I don't, I remember my mom telling me, you know, don't ever like say the N word to anybody. Um, cause that they won't like it because you don't like it when people call you Asian insults, Slurs. you know, yeah. or any of that nature. So, <clears throat> I mean, my brother and I, you know, we felt like we knew and, that's not who we were. That's not who mm-hmm. we were. That's awesome. But your mom was born in Korea, right? She was. How old was she when she came over? She um, she was little younger than thirty. Okay. Um, I think she like I was born when she was twenty eight, twenty nine. So she came over here. I think right right before nineteen seventy sixty eight, sixty nine. She's probably Let's listed at thirty. Yeah. No. <laughs> So, but you you were born here. I was. I was born in Arlington, Virginia. So she, when she moved, came here, she they had settled in Virginia um, in Northern Virginia for a little bit. I was born in Arlington. We moved to Lynchburg, where my brother was born. Why Lynchburg? I don't have any idea. Hmm. Um, I'm not really sure. I think um, for the most part, my my uncle, my mom's, my mom is one of one of six and she is the second, the youngest of six. Her youngest brother came over at some point and he was the business guy, um, in the family. And so he had opened up, um, different, different businesses. Um, and I think he opened up the tradition, like, I guess the stereotypical store that you like, uh, like a convenience store. Well, well, it was, it, it was a wig shop. So he owned Juan's wigs. My uncle Juan owned Juan's, opened up Juan's wigs. Mm-hmm. How do you spell Juan? W O N. Okay. Um, 
he opened up at, in Petersburg. I, I want to say that he opened it up in Lynchburg, and then maybe that's why we went out there. My mom was a beautician um, when, when she first came over here. That's what, that's what she was, or that was her profession. Did she speak English at all when she came over? Very little. So yeah. she learned how to speak English fluently like through work. It's gutsy coming over here as an adult, not speaking. Couldn't even language. imagine. Yeah. Could not even imagine. I mean, I think even as an adult now, um, I mean, I live, I live within ten miles of my mom's house where I grew up in Colonial Heights, and probably you know a part of why I'm where we all, where I am. One was you know make sure that I wasn't too far away from my mom, but number two was, I, the, 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 there was probably a part of me that was afraid to move far away to test being an adult, so to speak. Mm. Um, and maybe there was like a level of a security net just still being close. But, you know, to that point, you know, with, with my mom, my uncles, even my brother, um, even my wife, for that matter, um, moving away um, and living very far away from um, what you know is being normal, I find it very courageous. I find it very amazing. Yeah, and she basically traveled halfway around the world, didn't understand the language, and didn't understand the culture. No. It's a very different culture, no. right? And, and she was yeah. alone? Um, yes. Well, my my uncle's my uncle Juan was here. Um, I believe um, at some like my other uncles had come as well. She had another brother that lived in and still lived in Korea. She had her sister that was here. Um, my father, um, I think, came um, at some point after my mom did. Um, mm. But like so, how long she was alone, I'm not necessarily 100% sure. But even to the point that she was in a country, in a land, in a place that she wasn't, you know, really yeah. familiar with. Um, and, you know, for most immigrants, they, they, they tend to go where other immigrants are uh, of, of the same nature. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the simple fact that, that I couldn't imagine in 1975... There were a whole lot of Korean Americans or Korean immigrants living in Lynchburg, right. Virginia, um, and even at that time. And and I think when we finally moved to Petersburg, Virginia, for a year, and then to Colonial Heights, a lot of that was was there was a Wandswig store which is still open in Petersburg that my mom ended up owning and and owning for a while. But there was a strong community of Koreans, Korean Americans, um, here in in Richmond. Um, I, I, my mom was, 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 um, heavily, heavily involved in her church, um, which was a, which was a predominant, well, it was an all Korean church. And so she kept, kept her like network and circle tight within mm. that Korean community. Korean Presbyterian, you were telling me yes. earlier. Um, so why a wig shop? Um, well, my uncle, my uncle Juan, he is, he has a great business mind. And so I, I don't know the history. I don't know why he did it. He also had a shoe store called Juan Shoes that, that, that he had as well. Um, and then my other uncle, my other uncle Sop, he owned that, um, before moving out to Fredericksburg. Anyway, um, my assumption and my guess is that he always said that if you, if he had a hundred dollars, he could turn that into a hundred thousand within a couple years, and it didn't make a difference, you know, what it was. He was just a good businessman, and so I think from the perspective of Wandswig was in Petersburg, Virginia. The um, 
clientele, so to speak, of 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 those that were wearing wigs or needed wigs or wanted to wear wigs is that he was there. And so he that that's what he did. He, I think he saw an opportunity, saw the He understood the market it. and figured out where the demand was Absolutely. and met the demand. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Does yeah. is Juan's wig still uh rolling? Yes. Yes. My mom um she sold it to her best friend, um, who I call my who my brother and I call our aunt. Um, we've known her forever. Um, and she eventually sold it off to someone else. Um, but <laughs> the funny piece is, is that I think um, over the years and, and, you know, it is what it is, but like she, they sold wigs, they sold other novelty stuff like fake chains, glasses, like sunglasses, et cetera, et cetera, hair extensions. So for the folks that I've like talked to or like knew around the area, if you were an African-American woman and you were getting um, like hair extensions for whatever reason, you normally went to Juan's wig. And so people Did knew... Did you say singular wig? Juan's wig? Or no, Juan's, Juan's wigs. wigs. My yeah, bad. So it. Yeah, it yeah. is what it is. Um, but they would go... That's where they would go to get... To buy their hair, huh. to get their hair done. And I think it was... Um, I used to work at Comcast in the call center. And and we were talking and there was... Um, I was talking to some other... Some, some of the agents. And one agent used to work uh, or used to go to VSU, Virginia State University. And we were talking and I just made the joke of, well, well, because like one day her hair was short and the next day her hair was long. And so I made the joke, like, like, how fast did you grow your hair? And then she just said, well, they're extensions. And I just joked, I was going, you know, my aunt owns Juan's wigs. Like, is that where you got them? And she was like, oh my gosh, that's, that's exactly where it is. I know her. (laughs) I was like, well, yeah, that's my aunt. You probably see my mom too there. So yeah, wow, still there. Yeah, in still Petersburg, there. still there in Petersburg. Still and there. your mom's business was, uh, you said, beautician. She was a beautician at one point by trade, and then she owned. Then then she became a, like a businesswoman. So for forty plus years, or rather, let me say, um, up until I was in the sixth grade, um, she owned Juan's wig. Juan's wigs um, mm-hmm. for the time that we lived, or the, from up until I was sixth grade, she owned a dry cleaners um, uh, for uh, for ten years or so, and then for the last fifteen so years, uh, she was owning a business like an embroiderer business in Petersburg. So she was well well ingrained into the community in Petersburg. Man, where did she learn to run a business? That's a good question. I, and I think to the perspective of coming from Korea and not knowing, well, coming from Korea and just becoming um, like a beautician and that being her trade, um, I'm not really sure like where she learned and, and like how it, how it came about. Mm. Um, my assumption is that since my uncle owned the stores um, at some point, that since that was his name, um, she had worked with him and then just learned as they went. Um, and then it was just passed along or sold to her to like he sold to his sister mm. and then and then it went from there and then uh, that's a good question she was probably around and and they talked a lot and she learned from him yeah I imagine absolutely but yeah. I mean she must have been she must be a, a really self-starting woman you know yeah to, yes 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 I mean it, it I guess now like I've never really thought about it until you brought it up, but it's pretty amazing. It, it, it's truly amazing. Like, I don't, like, I think going back to the point of maybe not being a, or being afraid and not having the courage to like move away to a different state. Um, you know, it, it had to have been very scary 
to to decide to um, you know ha- go from fixing hair, cutting hair, being a beautician to owning a store, um, and then using that to support her two boys, and then everything else that that she decided to support. Mm, that's guts and hustle, man. That's all. Oh, that absolutely. Is. Yeah. Yeah, and in an ocean of people that look nothing like you. To, no. To add, no. and don't speak the language you, that you're most comfortable with. Oh yeah, you know? and and I think to be able to have to communicate and. I think today, like probably in the 70s, it was a lot different. Well, it was a lot different than it is today. But to think that, you know, at the time, maybe like she knew 20 words. And then having somebody to come in and just say, um, like some of the words or sentences that she knew is like, is this what you want? 995. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? And then trying to have to count and figure that out. So, so I'm, I'm, uh, Mostly through a book, and I want to be clear: I'm listening to it. You're, I'm, actually, I'm actually not reading. Dude, it. you have me real excited that's, there that's for a second. I'm, I'm listening. <laughs> uh, and the, the name of the book is uh, the, "The Smartest Kids in the World" by Amanda Ripley. Which, by the way, we are going to get her on this podcast. Let's do it. Um, and uh, she's followed uh, three countries. Yep, went pretty in depth in those three countries. And one of the countries was Korea. Yep. And Korea essentially says once you hit around three years old until you graduate high school and take a test. Yep. You are spending all of your waking hours eating and being educated. Absolutely. And, and the, the detail that she provides, I'm like, I, I can't imagine what that's like. And so their, their test results, there's an international test given every uh, three years. They are, they are in the top 5% of all the country, the uh, developed world. They're in the top 5%. But at what cost, right? There, yep. There's there's so, there's a big downside yep. to yep. the way they do that. But I imagine that culture, in some ways, extended to Korean immigrants that were moving to different parts oh, yeah. of the world. So tell, tell us what it was like growing <clears throat> up as a Korean American. So, <clears throat> so um, if I had grown up today, there would have been a, probably been a, a lot of instances where child protective services would have come to our house. So I say it this way, and and I remember this as lovingly as possible. My mother instilled and made it imperative that we made good grades. And so um, kindergarten through sixth grade, and I vividly remember starting my second grade where my brother and I, well, my brother and I at some of the point, but in second grade is when I started to get spankings for coming home with grades lower than a B. So anything that was a, if I got a B. Like a quiz. Like a quiz grade was a or, C. Yes. Like signed papers, graded papers, report card. Heaven forbid I come home with a, with a report card with with major, with major not enough A's. And and the A's weren't in PE. Like they had to be been in, in the important subjects. T- tougher subjects, yeah. But um, you know, I, I can remember like telling my teacher like, I can't go home with this because I, I, cause my mom is going to beat me. And, and, um, and, and, and back then, the teacher's like, study harder. Yeah, you know, like, what am I supposed to do? Like, this is what you did. So I, I can remember, I, I can vividly remember, it, it felt like every other week, and every other week, my mom was beating the crap out of me. Um, but it, but it, was, it was to that point. Um, you know, she would tell stories of, of her that she would go to school and then study and then do school until nine, 10 o'clock at night and then come home 
and then study more and then literally sleep for four or five hours and then repeat the process. Mm. Um, and on weekends too. Oh yeah. And so as a, as, as a Korean American kid living in Colonial Heights, all I had were American friends. Um, majority of my friends were American or, or white, um, Caucasian Americans, whatever. But the stories, when my mom would tell me their stories, those were the exact same stories of hearing. I walked to school five miles in a foot of snow uphill both ways. It was the exact same. Like it, to me, it was the exact same. So pretty much was like, you're telling me that you did all of this only to make me come up with, like, make me, make, make me feel bad that I'm not making the grades that I should be making or that I'm not working as hard. Um, so I just thought they were just the stories that, that, that my mom told. Um, when I was uh, my junior year, the summer of my junior year in high school, my father um, took my brother and I to Korea for a month. So it was, it was the one and only time I've ever been to Korea in the summer, July. Um, we were, my uncle, my, my father were taking us around. We went to dinner or something. We were driving back from somewhere and we ended up, I just happened to drive by a school. Um, it was on a weekend. It was nine, 10 o'clock at night. And literally kids are rolling out of the school at that hour um, in their uniforms with their backpacks on as if it was nothing. And, and I, and I remember asking my uncle, like, what are they doing? Like, what is this? And like, they're just leaving school. And like, did really? It, did it start at five o'clock in the afternoon? No, it no, started no, this at is, early yeah. morning hours. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, we'll say that, you know, maybe now in hindsight, it was that um, the parents, you know, a part of the education piece is that maybe the majority of parents, um, you know, had to work or, or were working and doing other things. And like this was their daycare. I don't know. Hmm. Or the fact that, um, you know, for the most part, you know, if if you weren't. I don't know, um, well off or affluent. Um, you just wanted better for your kids, and, and like this was their way of pushing the kids. And it all culminated but, with the test, and that te- the, your, the results absolutely. of that test put you in, in a certain place in society. Yeah, if you did really well. You got a great uh, job track, and if you didn't do well, yep. you got a really bad job track. And and a part of that um, in Korea, there, at, at, from what I remember, what I know, there were two universities in Korea. There was Seoul University and Yonsei University, and so. You know, it was the equivalent of like trying to get into Harvard, and then if you didn't get into Harvard, then you it was Yale, and then if you didn't get to either one of those, then like you you became a mechanic or something. Yeah, you were a big you were a disappointment. Yeah, yeah. And, and like socially, that's so like trying really hard to get into Harvard or or Yonsei or Seoul University, yep. and then becoming a mechanic socially, that's like not something that people want to happen. At oh point. no 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 absolutely not. And so I think you know even today. Um, I'll say it this way. Like, I, I want to be careful saying this. Um, the kid, the, the kid who, who shot up Virginia Tech, yeah. right? He was a Korean American kid. Um, and he probably, he, he, he had some other issues going on, but I think when he, those events happened, um, I can remember, um, feeling the pressure that he, like his parents probably put on him. You know, and and the kid just snapped and like didn't know what else, like th- th- he had some other issues. So like mm. we'll say it that way. It's but, not just a Korean American cultural no, thing. But yeah. but but he snapped because of the pressure of 
you know, you have to go to school, you have to do this, you have to excel, you have to get a great job, you have to be able to, you know, mm-hmm. do this, that, and the other. Did he, did he like write about that or talk about no, that? I, I, I think, um, I think it eventually came out that, um, well, I think they interviewed his parents, um, and they like interviewed some other people and they, and it, it was a part, I think some written stories, like a part of like the Korean culture, mm-hmm. um, just, just the pressures of, of trying to excel academically and then professionally after that. That mixed with some of his psychological and emotional Absolutely. predispositions yeah. is the recipe for what happened. And it, you and I were talking about this a couple of weeks ago. It, it's it's rare. What, yes. what happened at Virginia Tech that yes. day, is, while it's awful, is, is, a, is a fairly mm-hmm. rare thing. Yeah, so I'm not trying to justify anything. Oh, no. Oh, the, the example, I think, you know, the, I was bringing it up as an example of you work so hard, even as a little kid, to take this test and then this test determines who you become. Most people can't imagine that kind of pressure. No. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, like even even to this day, um, I don't know if if my mom or as a seven year old telling my mom that I was going to become a workforce manager for for this company. One, she probably doesn't know, didn't know at the time what it was. Um, and number two, she kn- she'd know it wasn't a doctor or a lawyer. Absolutely, so. yeah. And so, and I think that, that that that's part of it is that I went to school with the idea of becoming a doctor. And then, you know, um, I think after my freshman year and, uh, volunteering at a hospital, I knew I wasn't becoming a doctor. (laughs) Um, so, um, so like, I, like for me, it it was not knowing what it was that I wanted to become. And like, I'm, I'm grateful that I'm here, you know, doing what I'm doing. Um, but to the point is that, you know, thankfully, thankfully I wasn't in Korea at the time. Thankfully I didn't, have to worry about, you know, having the pressure of taking a test. And if I didn't become a doctor or like my, like that career path, like if I had to become like a ditch digger, I'm grateful that, well, I'm just grateful right. where I am. Yeah. So your mom's, uh, we'll call it corporal punishment system yes. for anything below a B. Yes. Um, did you ever do anything creative to avoid corporal punishment? <laughs> I did. So we used to bring home, um, we used to bring home signed papers and they were stapled, right? And we had to bring them home and our parents had to sign them and we'd take them back. So I would come home, no, and my mom wasn't home because she was working, clearly. Um, but I would go to my next door neighbor's house. I would borrow their stapler. I would unstaple the papers and get rid of all of the, um, the bad <laughs> crates, restaple the, restaple the pack, and then um, have my mom sign them. And then put the bad grades back. Have, in. have her happily wow. sign them because yeah. everything was A's yeah. or B's. Uh, and, and and then you had to you had to put the real thing back together to, to give back to my teacher. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, it's, I a fair actually, amount, it's a fair amount of effort. I got a brand new bike because of it. So, <laughs> yeah, so there it is. Does your mom know that? Um, I I don't think she knows now. No, wow. you know I bet that she'd be proud of that ingenuity. No, 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 not at all. I don't think. Come so. on. And, 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 well, I I think. My next door neighbor, they're my second parents. They, we, I've known them since third grade. But um, I think after, after a month of doing this, or a month worth of weeks of doing this, she asked me what I was doing, and I told her, please don't tell mom, because I would get beat even worse than get the grades. But yeah. Were they Korean-Americans? No, they were not. Yeah, they, yeah. Were, um, they, they were not Korean-Americans. Did they continue being co-conspirators in your plot? Yes. Well, I'll say I say yes, but I think um, shortly thereafter, knowing that I was 
that I probably couldn't do it very long. I don't think I did it very long after that. So I, I think I just had to suck it up. So you you ended the conspiracy. Yeah, yeah. So and I think the part of the story to hear this is is that I didn't even get better. Like I think they, my mom's <laughs> intention of beating me to make me better just didn't do it. She like, she pushed you creatively, but she didn't push you academically. Correct. So that's how it ended up. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Huh. That's hilarious. So wait. So how, how did your grades? How did your grades look for the rest of your? Uh... I, well, for, for the rest of my life, um, I mean, I. I I ended up high school with like a three three or something. So it like that's like, good. True and truly is that like in hindsight, I probably if I worked harder, I would have made better grades. But I didn't work hard for my grades. Yeah, and I, like as Paul was saying, at, at what cost would have those grades come? You know, right? Would you have been able to spend as much time with your friends or? Exactly. Exactly. Unstaple and restaple papers as much as you did. Exactly. And so yeah. I think I, I, I enjoyed hanging with my friends, riding our bikes down trails, playing football, baseball, basketball, fishing, causing trouble. So was the, uh, the demographic makeup of school similar to the colonial white dem- demographic? Yes. 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 So were you like the only Asian kid in your friend group? Um, yeah. Actually, yeah. Um, the, the, there were in my class in my class when I graduated high school. There was one other Korean kid who um, who who went to my mom went to our church. Um, it was just he and I in our graduating class that were um, that that were Korean. Mm. Um, and then in that class we had uh, one Indian, like East um, Indian, and then that was that. That was that. And yeah. did it ever, like, did you ever notice that you were the only Asian kid or did it ever, like, cause issues? I don't think, I don't think I ever truly noticed it or it ever affected me. Um, I, I'll say it this way is that um, there were many a times where we, there were Asian slurs thrown our way. Um, very few of them were malicious the majority of them were from our friends and it was just the ribbing and the joking from our friends. And you probably gave as good as you could. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, and I think my, to to even to this day, my brother will say it um, too, is that depending on who you were, was the reaction that you got. So if it were just, if it were our, just our friends, we would, we would give it back. Mm -hmm. If it was somebody that we didn't know, we would be quick to say, or it was if it was a new friend or somebody outside the circle who tried to jump in, we would be quick to say, "Be careful! We don't know you, and you're not allowed to do that yet. You're right. not. You're not there yet. You're yeah. not there yet." Um, I mean, it might be malicious, and then correct, yeah. correct, correct. Well, even if it wasn't, it was like we just didn't know you, and you you weren't a, like we weren't going to just take it from somebody that we just didn't know. Right. You, you've got to right, earn right, your right. way into the inner circle. Yes. Yes. Yeah, okay. Yes. Interesting. Okay. It's fun. I don't. I don't see that kind of like talk and banter being permitted at all. Even you know, in the ribbing sense today, like it probably uh, was back then. Everybody's very sensitive these days. Very sensitive. Wasn't like that when Roger was a kid. Yeah, know? that that like whenever I'm hanging out with di- like diverse friend groups, like that entire area of comedy and jokes and it's just off limits. There's a big, huge wall. Just yeah. don't go there. Yeah, and. and- to say things are different today is, is, is almost cliche, but it was just different. And so I think, well, 
as long as we were in Kelowna Heights and, um, you know, we were, we were normally at, you know, one of our friends' houses or we were with our friends, that's when everything, everything was said. It was just within our, in, in that tight circle. It was amongst mm-hmm. friends. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you said you've referenced your, your mom, what, what's her name? My mom is Hawk Lee, H-A-K Lee. Okay. And she goes by Hawk. Yep. And your brother. Paul Lee. Paulie. Now that's interesting. You you went from a Korean sounding name for your mom, yes, to a very uh, biblical biblical name, yes, uh, very European North American kind of name. My name is Paul. I I have never met a, a Korean Paul, but I've never met your brother. But I'm guessing if you grew up in Korea, your brother's name wouldn't be Paul, and your name no. wouldn't be Roger. So can you share with us? And I've, I I. I know where your name came from because you told me earlier today, but please share with our audience where your yep. name came from. But I don't know where Paul came from. Yeah, um, and I don't know where Paul came from, Mother. It, it, oh. was, it was probably biblical. I'll, I'll, I'll say it was probably biblical. Um, when my, Roger's not in the Bible, though. No, it is not. It should be, but it it's should not. be, yeah. Yeah. What's up with that? Um, when my mom had come, to Korea, uh, come from Korea and was, was going to start her family and place her roots, she, she wanted to make sure that, that we didn't. We were integrated, so to speak, within within the environment that we were in. Um, so, real it's a quick, fairly common practice. Yeah. yeah. So, real quick, um, my uncle Hoon, her second, third oldest brother, like my mom's maiden name is Yu. Why Yu? Um, he when he came to America and put down the papers or whatever, he put his name as Y O O, and he put it as Y O O so that. When Americans would say his last name, it they would say, it would say you it would sound you right, yeah. and they wouldn't mispronounce it. Mm-hmm. So, um, so she, like my name, my full name is Roger Shinhuan Lee, and Shinhuan is my Korean name. Um, um, like traditionally, the in-law mother provide like gives that name. So um, my my dad's mom gave my mom that name, and I asked her many times what it meant, and she forgot or. Can Wait, you can you Google it Wait. now though? Um, I guess you could. I didn't, never have. Wait, just back up a second. The 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 father the the in law gives the name for the 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 mother's the paternal grandfather paternal, grandmother grandmother paternal grandmother, yes. paternal grandmother gives the name for the for the child. Yes. Okay, and that's like a con- that's a Korean. That, that's thing. just a Korean thing. Okay. Yeah. Um, and my brother is Paul Sun Hwan Lee. Um, yeah. All right, sweet. Um, so where so, did Roger come so, from? Man? All right, so I asked my mom where she came up with Roger, and she said, uh, she said that she. Um, well, let me take a step back. I'm a Cal- Dallas Cowboys fan. All right, everybody in my family are Redskins, are the Washington football team fan, um, and I, I became a Dallas Cowboy fan. So I remember asking her where did she come up with the name Roger, and I thought. Uh, or she said, I gave you Roger to name you after Roger Starback. Do you know who Roger Starback is? No. If he remembers no. uh, episode one with Mike Stockhouse, and Mike talked a lot about Roger Starback. Really? He's also a Cowboys fan. Right. Yeah. So Roger Starback was the Dallas Cowboys quarterback of the 70s. And like when they became the America's, America's team, team, he was their quarterback. He also served in the Navy. Yes. He was a Naval Academy guy. America Just was a like, big fan of Roger Starback. Okay. Yeah. Real red-blooded American. Yeah. Okay. Yes. I'm sorry, like I, I I forgot that you didn't know football. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> he's he's also not 57 years. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. So I asked her, and she said um, Roger Starbeck, and I thought that she was just 
BSing at the time. Mm. Um, and then as I got older, it, it occurred that when I was born or when she was pregnant with me, Roger Starbeck was a big, pretty big guy, you know, in, 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 in American culture. And yeah. so, you know, whether or not like she, um, you know, that's all she heard or, 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 or how it came up. Um, that was probably that, that it, her story or her reasoning was probably true. I think the other thing that we talked about too is that I could have been named after Roger Moore because my mom was really into um, James Bond movies, and so oh, Roger wow. Moore I think played James Bond in more movies than any other actor. I've heard that he wasn't a, a great Bond though. I haven't seen a lot. It's a, of it's, a, it's a matter of opinion. I, I grew up with Roger Moore playing James Bond. I'm, yeah, me too. And and he was uh, he was the third one I think. Connery was yeah the first one I think, and then there was another guy for. A half a second, and then huh. Roger Moore did a bunch of films. I thought he was good. Oh, you did? Okay, yeah. And and your mom thought Roger Moore was an attractive man, so you yes. think there's a possibility there's a that possibility. you were named Roger Moore. Yeah. yeah, she probably hoped that I'd pin him six four two. Nice. Yes. Yes. So did you grow up playing a lot of uh, sports? I did. I grew up playing um, everything that that was available: baseball, um, basketball, soccer. Um, Played football for a couple of years. She, uh, I, I tried to play high school football, and she um, didn't allow me to play high school football. Um, and, it, and her reasoning wasn't because of my health or that I would get hurt. It was for the fact that it was going to interfere with school. Um, so it was it was school based that that she didn't allow me to play football. Did you play any sports in high school? I did. I played soccer uh, for high school. Wouldn't that interfere with school? Um, no, because we didn't have, um, like Friday night. Like, I don't, I don't think that she, in her head, I think that there was just a, a, a really big, long commitment for football. Like a serious part-time job yep. kind of thing. Yeah. Mm. And she, like, I don't, th- like, I'm not really sure where she got that from, but, um, that, that was her, that was her perception. Ironically, um, my brother played football, um, and he, younger? Pla- my younger brother played football. Okay. He played four years in high school, four years in college. Oh, wow. Um, wow. So he, he did really well. But um, we joke. We joke to this day, and, and, and it, there, there's probably some truth in the joke that my mom loved my brother more than me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he always brings that point up of, of why mom loved him more, that she allowed him to play football. But to the point, too, is that um, I asked permission to play football, and she said no. My brother did not ask permission, and there was a time like when my brother came home um, from school late and just said, "Mom, I need to sign this paper." And it was like the permission to play football. Did she ever go to any of his games? Oh yeah, she loved it. She absolutely loved it. Oh, oh that must have so, crushed you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I don't think at the time, but um, yeah, now it bothers me a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Usually, it's yeah, the other she, way around. Yeah, she 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 loved watching my brother play football, and and thankfully when my brother my brother played varsity in the tenth grade, so Friday night lights, and then went the, he he chose to go to Randolph Macon okay. um, to be close, and um, she she would close the store down to go watch him play. Oh, how much younger? Two he? and a half years. Yeah, so you you all were in high school at the same time. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. There, there, I think there's a lot of examples, but is he six four? He is not six four. He is not. And he's 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 five eight. I think. Yeah, he's a little taller than me. Five eight. Okay. He's an inch taller than me. Five eight. Yeah. 
we'll leave L- it listed listed at five eight. Right. Yeah. Well, let's call it that. <laughs> okay. Was, was soccer your favorite sport? It I, growing up, it, growing up, it was not. It, uh, baseball was my favorite sport. I loved playing baseball. It was it was a lot of fun. I was the catcher. Um, and uh, catching's that, fun. Yeah, it was You're a lot involved of fun. in everything, right? Yeah, and then I think um, when I got to high school, I got cut in eighth grade playing trying out for JV, and then I think that just took an ego hit. And I was as I was playing soccer, um, I, I I started to excel at soccer, and then freshman year, I, I had to make a decision of trying out for baseball again or J or soccer, and since I got cut from JV or JV got cut from baseball it was soccer and it's then, a hit to an ego and egos are fragile for uh teenage boys yeah for sure absolutely so <laughs> you're married i'm married you eight, have a couple kids tell us about your family right, so i've been married um 18 years this year my wife tammy uh she's from indiana um it's a good name for somebody from indiana yeah yeah tammy tammy lane sweeney lee yep um i have two kids uh my and maddox i got a, my daughter is 16 my son is 15 um, they're what a sophomore and junior in high school this year. Um, I think the, one of the first things that I ever told you was, uh, if, if I ever was my mom and tried to push my kids into a, one, a particular place, um, I, I tried to make my son, um, a super athlete. And I thought that I could, I, I, I could help him at a younger age, um, become a super athlete. Huh? Um, yeah, you were like uh, Todd Marinovich's dad. I was, yeah, um, yes. Marv Marinovich. Yeah, my, my brother actually called me Marv Marinovich. Um, if I had known you when you were doing this to your son, I would have called you Marv. Marinovich. Absolutely. So, what, what what kind of stuff goes into that making um, your son a super athlete? So, <laughs> so and, and he is a, he is a good athlete. He is a, he's a he's a, he is a good athlete. I mean, my daughter is as well. Too, yeah, I mean, but, what, you said he was fifteen. The jury's still out, right? Well, well against his peers, yeah. Thus far, yeah, he, like, he, yeah. he, he, he's achieved a lot of things, um, like on his own. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, like, I think things could have been different, you know, they, if they could have been, but, um, so when my kids were little, my wife was working and she would always like, she was working part-time and would work, um, like all day on either Saturday or Sunday. And so when my kids were four and five, um, we were trying to think of things to do. And so I would take my kids and we would go to a field and we would train. That's what I would tell them. Nice. We would train. So all they were doing, like, and my intentions were, were to one, wear them out so that they would come home and take a nap. And then I could just hang out, and watch football or, and then number two was in my head was thinking that, you know, if I helped them at this point, they would be able to develop and get to a certain place. Mm-hmm. So I always feared, <laughs> I always feared that my son was um, was going to be not six four, um, and he's on pace to be about five ten, almost six foot. So thankfully, nice. he, he's getting some of my wife's genes. Tammy brought that average up. Absolutely, hell yeah, yeah. And because thankfully, my well, depending on which way you look at it, she doesn't like it. My daughter is five. Three, five, four. So she takes after me. Oh, okay. Um, so which is fine. But she's a natural athlete like I am. Um, <laughs> but um, but we we would do stuff out in in the field, and so you know there would be form running, just running sprints, running laps, um, push ups, bear crawls, stuff like that. Um, a lot of stretching and things. Like like an actual uh, yeah. 
Yeah, school team. Absolutely. Did, did you go easy on them? I mean, well, yes, yes. I'll say I went easy on them because, I mean, they were four and five, and so like we, I, I wanted to make sure that they were having fun. Um, they were getting exercise and, and doing all the right things, but in my head, I wanted to make sure too that mm. you know I wanted my I, I wanted them both, but emphasized on my son knowing that he was probably going to play football or baseball or something that. Um, if there was anything that I could try and control, maybe I could help him learn how to run at a young age and then it would be muscle memory once he got older and then he would become faster than, than most. Um, it, I'll say it didn't work cause he's not one of the fastest of, you know, of, of, of his folks, but he has got, he has got a passion now of training, um, that, that I'm proud of. So, so like, yeah. I, I feel like he is where he is because of all that time. Probably work ethic too. Yes. Yes. My brother, on the other hand, um, would give me a bunch of crap about it. And so would my and, other friends. And, and that's where you got the name Marv Marinovich. And so our audience and Daniel understand who Marv Marinovich was. He was Thank this you. guy who had, I think Todd was his only son. Yep. And, and Todd was naturally gifted. Yep. Uh, but Marv played football in college. Yep. And he wanted his son to be an amazing football player. And he basically, every waking second, and even his sleep, yep. everything was under the Marv Marinovich plan. Uh, he never had anything from McDonald's. He didn't eat yep. pizza. There was nothing bad put into his body. Uh, Todd ended up playing, being the starting quarterback at USC. He ended up playing in the pros for a while. He also ended up abusing uh, legal substances for a long time. Like, it backfired. A- absolutely. So, mm. the, uh, as, as far as... There's documentaries out there, so out like offline, like look him up. Um, mm. His thought process, like it, it's hard to argue, like what he tried to do with Todd Marinovich or his son Todd. You know, at, at a very young age, even as a baby, he's like I think there were examples of um, before he was a year old, he would always put him on his on on his stomach to make him push himself up or support him by his arms and and feet. So that like it, it was the essential of like doing a push up for a baby, and then having that musk muscle memory and that you know building that muscle at that point. But to Paul's point, he never fed him processed food. It mm. was always whole food. It was always natural food, um, and and in the hopes of he, which, which on paper is fine, but he, he didn't let him experience a lot of things kids no, normally no, experience. No, 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 no. And so, yeah, yeah it, 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 it also seems like kind of a, a, a misguided, you're, you're kind of like hijacking your son's agency in life to, to, he took away to, his agency to enforce yeah. like your lost, um, yes, dream, you yes, know? yes. So there, there, there's probably a lot of that, that, that yes, I probably lived through my son. Um, and I, I don't know if I'm ashamed to say it, but I'll, I'll, you know, it comes out that. You know, I'm very proud of everything that he's accomplished because um, he's done it on his own, mm-hmm. um, and and it makes it it's certainly a great feeling. Like he he's um, he plays football for his high school now, and you know there, there are many a times that I've told him that if you choose to do something else, your mom and I and, and it, like will support you. Like you know mm-hmm. you, you can do whatever you want. And he's made comments of, well, if I don't play football, it'll crush you. And, and I know that it'll crush you. And it kind of hurts thinking that, like, I don't want him to play football just for me. I want him to play football because he loves it. Um, I believe that mm. he loves it. So so I'm okay with it. But um, 
if it ever came out that, that you know, like you ruined my life, that I only did all this for you, like that, that would be pretty painful. Oh man, I'm sure that's not the case. H- humans yeah. are complicated. I, I don't yeah. think nothing's that simple. Yeah, I don't think but, that Marv Mavinerich would ever say what you just said no, either. You know what no, I mean? No, oh, I oh, yeah, probably he, he, not. No, he didn't. Yeah, I mean, the docu- if you believe the documentaries, and I think they're yeah. Their facts are, are accurate. Yeah. 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 And, and when my but, big... Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I just want... The, the, the one other thing about, um, you know, the training and having your kids run around and do stuff uh, and the work ethic that it builds, uh, it really... I think it helps out in a lot of ways beyond athleticism and, and yes. physical strength, too, because one example is my, my big brother, when he was interviewing for jobs out of college, uh, one of the interviews he was in... Um, the the I think the interviewer uh, had a daughter or a son that ran cross country, and that person recognized the amount of sheer uh, will and and work ethic that you need in order to survive on a cross country team, especially college cross country, which my big brother had been on for four years. Yeah, and so that in itself was as much a testament to my brother's like potential ability at this new job as anything else in the interview. Absolutely. Yeah, and and you know to my son's point or. You know, to where my son is now, even with that particular work ethic, he and his grandfather um, have a little business where they go cut grass. And so, like, you know, for a 15-year-old kid, um, he's got a nice little bankroll um, going along with nice. that. And, and, you know, part of that is that um, he, if, if the opportunity or the, the moment comes that he needs to go cut grass, he's never saying, well, I don't want to because of, I'm playing video games with my friend. Like he, it, it, he always, he'll always cut short and work his schedule around around his work um, mm. uh, that that he chooses to do. So yeah, sounds like he's figured out some good priorities. Absolutely, Absolutely. very cool. So tell us uh, about T- Tammy's from Indiana. She is from Indiana. She's uh, from Northeast Indiana, um, in uh, it, it, uh, the Amish country of Indiana. Oh wow! Yeah, so um, she, I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, yeah. She um, Amish she, or Mennonites? Amish. Are they Amish? Okay. There are Amish. Um, there, there are Mennonites there as well too. Um, I, I think it. I think the culture. Well, let me say this. From what I hear from her, is that the culture, the Amish culture, I think is starting to slowly fade away, especially in Indiana, um, going more toward the the Mennonite culture of just getting getting out of it. Um, I think it's. Just past, so to speak, or the, the the generation now just isn't, I guess, as it, the right word is faithful. Yeah, or true to, to the, yes. uh, their practices. Yes. So uh, Tammy is not Korean. Tammy is not Korean. She is 180 degrees from Korean. She's generally blonde hair, uh, Caucasian woman. And she's from Indiana. And uh, if you had to guess the number of Korean Americans that live in Indiana or Northeast Indiana, what would your would, guess be? My guess would be less than one. Wow. Um, less than one Korean? Less than one Korean. Um, and so I, 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 <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say that the, like Tammy and I have been married for 18 years. Um, I've been back to Indiana a few times. The first time I went back to Indiana or went to Indiana with her was in 2000. And I'm gonna eventually. I'll, I'll venture off to say that I was probably the first Asian person that any of her family had seen that wasn't in a conflict. 
It's meaning like in the <laughs> like Vietnam, the Korean War, right, Korean Korean oh Vietnam. gosh, or like a Bruce Lee movie. Yes, yes. Like so, so when like, you say real. when you say the, the uh, combat, you're talking about in person, right? Right. They, right. They, they oh. also see like like yeah. like like you know in in the Korean War in the Vietnam War. Okay, so, so in the flesh, you were the first. Yeah. Okay. Not non-combat, non-combative yeah. Asian that they came across. Um, so I mean that, that that that's a wholehearted, like just good-hearted joke, but. Like it, it's probably tr- it's funny because it's probably true. Do, did they uh, welcome you with open arms? Were they standoffish? Um, yeah, they, I, they they I felt they welcomed me with open arms, and I think you know, thankfully, Tammy Tammy could have been one of those could have been a person that was um, bl- had blinders on and and just didn't wasn't very open minded. But Tammy is a very open minded person. Um, and so all, like all her entire life, I think it was like, that's the way who she was. And so I, I'll say this carefully in regards that nobody would have been surprised that, that she married a non-white person. Right. Um, but at the same point is that, you know, she didn't bring home boys all the time. Right. And so when, when somebody came home, they, they knew it was important to her. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, they, they, they they treated me well. They did. How far along in your relationship did you actually go to meet the parents? Um, it was probably six months. Like we we had when I met first met Tammy, um, she was living in Mackinac City, Michigan. So Mackinac City, Michigan is separated from Canada by Lake Michigan and, and the mm. big bridge. Okay. Um, so it, and like it it, it was. The most wilderness I've ever seen in my entire life. Is that Upper Peninsula? Or yeah, the, yeah, Upper okay. Peninsula. Yeah. Um, so, so she was living there, and so we had a long distance relationship. Um, you know, for a while, um, we we would fly back one another, and, and I think I went and saw her parents or went back to Indiana for the first time, um, probably six months into it, and this was probably fourth or fifth time that that, that I've actually physically been near my wife or my girlfriend at the time. Um, so it, it was very interesting. And I think, um, I mean, I told Tammy, like Tammy knows this, is that the, one of the first times that we have ever went back, you know, I would always make jokes of, um, like, do you think we'll see an Asian person or do you think we'll see somebody that, that's not white around here? And um, I, like we almost made it a game. And 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 I think uh, I, I think the the one time um, you know we we joked we because we took the interstate there and then at a rest area somewhere we saw an Asian person and it was like hey no way. Asians in the house <laughs> um, but yeah I mean like I don't that you know she she grew up in a, in in a very small town um, uh, that probably had one stoplight everybody knew each other. Um, her her grandmother lived in Ohio, which was like which was I don't know forty five minutes from where she lived near the border. And um, when we the first time that I remember going to her grandmother's house from her house, uh, we were going down these back roads and um, we 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 passed we passed a house that um, that in legend was where the Ku Klux Klan started. Um, it was literally just this one little, I don't know, probably 500 square foot house with a chain link fence around it. 
um, with 87 Confederate flags up oh my and all this propaganda. And, 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 and they just drove by just like, you know, there it is. That's where the Ku Klux Klan Wait a second. Started. I'm going to get caught on U.S. geography here, but was Indiana like part of the Confederacy? No. So is, no. There, is that just a uh, stronghold? Not, not all uh, extreme racism like the KKK uh, is in the South. Der- derives from the old Confederacy. Yep. Okay. I think, I, I, and I could be wrong, but I believe the KKK actually started like in Indiana somewhere. Or well, if that if that legend that house is like, true, then and, yeah. and maybe I'm making that up because no, I, I I've heard that I, I'm not sure where it started. It could have been Tennessee. I've heard it was fairly strong in Tennessee as well. Yeah, okay. It was, it, but it it was it. it I'll say that um, when I hear stories of you know like African American folks um, going to some places, they feel the tension. Because people are looking at them and staring at them, mm-hmm. um, I that was probably one of the first times in my entire life, at twenty seven, twenty eight years old, um, that I felt tension mm-hmm. um, going back to Indiana, um, or at least back to where her home was um, at that point. Yeah, most white Americans have zero appreciation for what it's like to feel that tension or yep. to be one of a handful out of many. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and, and I think it would have like, it, I felt tension as a Korean American. I couldn't imagine if I weren't Korean American and were, you know, an African American person, um, with Tammy at that point. Um, it, the tension probably would have been a lot thicker yeah. and, and it probably would have been, probably would have been worse. Hmm. I mean, and I think now, you know, I mean, there's um, what, what is what is ironic to me is that um, there, like, where she, like the area where she lives, there is um, th- th- there is a, a a a population of Hispanic folks that that have settled um, in that area, um, and so it, it's it, it's it's kind of I think str- not strange is the right word, but it, it's ironic that you know th- like. You won't see a Chinese restaurant there, but you might see a Mexican restaurant, mm, right? You know, um, and you know, I remember there was a story somewhere where there was a um, Hispanic guy who, um, you know, was trying to build a soccer field, um, you know, out, out there somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Did he did he build it? I think so. And like you know, it, it, he he talked about like I think the article was talking about you know how he goes there every day and like picks rocks and and like you know did it for like his. His his community or, mm. or, or or whatnot, so they could play. You just play get soccer. the sense that more people are putting down roots. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm I'm sure it's getting it's getting better, if that's the right way to say it. Um, but there's probably still a stronghold of um, there's probably still a stronghold there where yeah. you know um, they they don't want to make it as diverse as as, as it probably could be. Hmm. Yeah. So let's uh, talk about your thoughts on what's going on in this country. Pandemic, then George Floyd. Yeah. Uh, and it seems like the world's going crazy. But I, I've said a couple times on this podcast, I think it is on the on the edges. I think the, the middle is still in a, what I would consider a, a normal, decent place. Yep. I, and I agree. I think, um, so one of the great things, I think, uh, here in the last, I don't know, 
four, five, six podcasts that you guys have done uh, have brought on different perspectives of what's going on in the world today with George Floyd, pandemic, and everything else. Um, so I think specifically with George Floyd and racism and social injustice at this point, I, I think about um, there's two guests, Jennifer's mom and, and Jerry, um, who, who talked about it from their perspectives. And, and I think about um, some other guests that come on, um, your friend, um, Craig, Craig yeah. and then even Chris Young of talking about, you know, from, from an African-American's perspective, it's not necessarily saying, um, you know, we need our 40 acres and a mule or reparations. You know, it's, it's about recognition, like recognizing the racism, recognizing the social injustice, and then working to not repeat it. Um, to improve it quickly. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and I think, um, you know, we, we, had a con- we, we had a conversation um, before, which made me interested in listening to Njiri speak. You know, Njiri talked about um, in our conversations that everybody has a little R within them. You know, what needs to be done is making sure that little R doesn't turn into the big R. Yeah, and to, to deny the little R makes a bigger R. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, so I think everybody, there's a part of that little R within everybody. Um, and everybody has it. And to your point, you know, like, you know, recognize that it's there, understand what the trigger moments are that could turn that into the big R and then work to not turn it into the big R. Yep. Um, Jennifer's mom made great points of uh, at some point, every, every point in every error of time in this world, the pendulum swings one way or the other. And then we have to work to get to the middle where the pendulum is back to being in the middle. And hopefully get to a place where it's not swinging so wildly. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think, I I think what, what has happened, you know, with George Floyd and everything else that, that has progressed from that, um, the, the outrage of it is, has been from an African-American perspective that, this has been happening for generations. We've said it for generations and nothing necessarily has changed. I think about growing up, um, even in Colonial Heights, one of the, like my brother and I and our friends, you know, we would listen to, you know, rap and hip hop music. So back in high school, um, the one group NWA was out. Um, they made a song, you know, after police, um, and I think there were other songs that came out and maybe as a Korean American kid or even as a white kid in Colonial Heights, like that was cool because of the lyrics and, and the content. But in reality, it was, this is what they were seeing in real life. So police brutality was happening forever. Um, and so now it's gotten to the moment where a generation of, of social media, a generation of you know, um, people walking around with cell phones, being able to record this, that, and the other, and everything happening, and and now there there's almost instant reaction that needs to happen. Um, I'm certainly not in the boat of um, getting rid of the police, right? Um, I mean, I, as I stated before, my mom it had a business in Petersburg, Virginia, most of my life. She's had an amazing relationship with the Petersburg Police Department. I know many, many police officers. Um, so I'm not like I, I'm not in the boat that all policemen are are bad or 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 whatever. However, is that to deny and justify or even rationalize police brutality even today? 
that doesn't even make sense to me. It, it doesn't make sense at all. And so like it, it needs to be in the respect that if the bad cops are the 1%, the 99%, you know, need to ensure that this doesn't happen. And they, I think they need to, they need to feel empowered and take the power to actually absolutely. make sure what we've seen happen lots of times stops happening. Yep. Yep. You know. And I think I need to be careful, you know, for being a Korean American guy. Um, and some of the racism that I think that I've felt in my life um, may have been small. The racism that I think that I have felt has come from white folks has come from black folks. Um, but at the same point is that I don't know if, you know, my opportunities have have been hindered or bothered because of who I am or what I look like. Um, so there's an understanding of that piece. Um, I know that that I raise my kids to to not look at skin color and, and not judge a person by the way they look. Um, my wife and I have done an amazing, like, I feel like we've done an amazing job of that. Um, there's probably, there's probably stories where, um, you know, we probably have failed. As, as, like, I think I told you a story earlier where my, my son um, at, at, at kindergarten, you know, just didn't understand that, you know, if you weren't speaking English, you were speaking Mexican, um, you know? And so like, while I think that's cute, I think that. This that, is when he was five. Yeah. yeah so that, that it, it's a perspective of. It, it's not a perspective of, of, of judgment. It's just, you know, what they know. Right. Um, so this generation um, where we are today, I think, is we're probably at the... To get back to the, to, to the moment of, of bringing the pendulum back, back in the middle, um, you know, there's, there, there, there's, there needs to be understanding. There needs to be acceptance and recognition um, but we also, you know, just, we also need to figure a way to move forward. Um, and, and you just do better. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought that was really thoughtful, man. Yeah. I think, I think most, uh, people in this country, I think most people in the world won't agree with everything you just said. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and, and again, it's like, I think the perspectives, I, the perspectives of some of the guests that you guys have had on here. Um, I think I don't want to say go against what what the other like the general perception should be. Um, I got I, th- I think as soon as George Floyd happened and you know we're taking down monuments and <laughs> there's some things on social media where people are kissing people's feet and this that and the other. Like I don't think that's that. Well, let me say I don't think kissing people's feet and and thinking just because you know if you're an African American person that you know, we should just give them a million dollars just because of, of everything that, that has happened. Like, that's not the answer. That's not the middle. No, that's not the middle. That, that's taking the pendulum back to the other end. Yeah. Um, the, the interesting piece, again, is that the general theme from, I guess, regular people is, is understand, understand the little R in everybody. Make the recognition and work to not make that little R the big R. So, and Jerry's episode really had an impact on you. Oh yeah, 
Yeah, absolutely. Nice. All right, very cool. Yeah. Well, Roger, it's been great having you it here, man. It was awesome. I, this I'm, was I, great. I'm uh, so glad you drove 40 minutes on 95 to, to come here. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it's not an easy drive. It's an hour and 20 minutes of your life you'll never get back, but hopefully no. your time with us uh, was worth it. I think as a super fan, y'all should have probably met me down in Chester. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, uh, we rarely pack up and move the equipment. It's a, Especially lately. We're kind of in a groove of either Zooming it or uh, doing it here. Yeah, it's a very special occasions, but who knows, man. But I, I mean, think super. I think he's I, right that we need to start treating him uh, differentially. Yeah, I, we, we're going to get you a crown and everything. But no, it's been great, man. Well, a crown and uh, maybe a, scepter. A, a, a t-shirt. Sure. A t-shirt, t-shirt and an unedited. Oh, no, I've got a hat for you. Perfect. Yeah, I've got oh, a hat for you. Yeah. Perfect. But Love we can hats. maybe give him some uh, unedited content. All right, don't make promises for me. <laughs> Roger, it's been awesome to have you, dude. It Thanks so much for your time. Great. Thank you very much. Yep. Thanks, Roger. If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to subscribe through whichever app you're using. To share your thoughts, head over to our website at podso1.io, and there you can comment on episodes or send us feedback directly. Thanks for listening.